sometimes you need to hit the pause button as a clinician um, and a researcher and say, hang on, this is what my underlying assumption is. We want to be evidence-based practitioners, but in fact, this is just how we should practice. Ethics is every part of every clinical decision that we make. And what it is that we do is we make lives better. Welcome to Speak Up, the Speech Pathology Australia podcast. This podcast series highlights conversations with esteemed contributors in the speech pathology space. We explore key issues in the profession in a short and easy to listen to format. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Hello, it's Trish Johnson here. I'm the Manager of Ethics and Professional Issues at National Office. And with me today, I have Associate Professor Suze Leitao, who was the Chair of the Ethics Board for nine years, finished up in the middle of the year in 2019, uh, and was also on the Ethics Board before that, so has a wealth of experience that we can all benefit from. So welcome, Suze. Thank you, Trish. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's lovely to see you too. Suze, people are always interested to know how can ethics be any use practically? And I know that you have some really great ideas on that. What, what's practical about ethics? That's a really good question, Trish. I think people tend to see ethics as something separate to complex clinical professional practice, something that maybe they only go to in a time of a crisis or in times of need. And yes, it's very useful then. But actually, I think what I've really come to learn is that our everyday complex clinical professional practice, and for those of us that are managers as well, our management of other people, is actually infused not just with evidence-based practice and research, but also with ethical thinking. Right. So in terms of how do we put that into the context of I'm going about my day, seeing clients every appointment time that I have, but there's this one client who really has just stumped me. I know what's going on in terms of their communication skills or their swallowing skills, but there's all this other stuff going on with that context. Of the, but there's all this other stuff going on with that client, the context around them. Well, and that even um, raises the whole notion of evidence-based practice. So people get hung up on the idea that evidence-based practice is just research. Well, it's not we actually need to consider the client context, the client values and preferences, the environment in which they live, everything they bring to the clinical table, so to speak, and their, their voice in all of this. Plus, of course, I as a clinician, my own skill set, what do I know, what don't I know? And so as we start to draw on all those aspects of what you might broadly call evidence, we actually need to draw on our ethical thinking as well. And what do I mean by that? I guess flipping it round, instead of thinking about ethics as something that's reactive, you only go to it in reaction to a crisis, you actually think about it as proactive. So it, it permeates and infuses your thinking as you plan to see a client, as you collect data, as you interpret data, and as you plan management both for and with your clients. Sure. And what you were saying just reminded me, one of the things I really enjoy about my role is that I get to speak with lots of members. And I'm constantly amazed in a good way mm. about how much knowledge and experience people have and how they bring that to bear on their decision making. And I don't think a lot of our members give themselves enough credit. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Equally, 
how many times over the years you and I have dealt with complex cases where clinicians have contacted us, where the clinician has said, I never thought, it didn't occur to me that. Now I think of it. And so I think that is really something that has been a learning for me. It's about proactive, almost like risk management thinking when you go into a situation. Um, that helps drive our planning and our management of clients. And that is, that is ethical thinking. That is ethical reasoning in complex clinical situations. It's not something separate. It's, it's kind of the framework with which we go in. Ethical practice is professional practice. Ethical practice is evidence-based practice. It's not separate. Okay, I get it. So is that big picture stuff is really good to talk about. But what are some practical examples? Whoa, that's a good question. <laughs> okay, so what do I actually mean in practice? Well, let's start with perhaps an everyday thing clinicians do. We take a case history, we interview a client, we're told something by perhaps one member of the family that's quite subjective for which we don't have evidence. One of my proactive ethical tips might be to really think hard about what we might include in a report or not. How might we verify that evidence? Is it actually pertinent to the report? Um, who's going to be reading the report? So that's just a little everyday one. Another everyday example I can think of is the notion of autonomy. Many of us, well clearly all of us I think, work with people with communication difficulties. So consent to refuse treatment, consent to uh, have treatment, consent to a particular kind of treatment, consent to an assessment. Whose consent? How do we gain that consent? How do we make sure everybody has a voice? How can we be confident in people's decision making? And then let's think of perhaps at the other end of the spectrum, something that you and I have discussed a lot over the last decade, would you believe? Scope of practice. We see there's two angles to scope of practice. There is a speech pathologist who inherits a new client or moves to a new workplace context that might now be practicing outside their own confidence zone. So it's in the speech pathology scope of practice, but perhaps not quite in our scope of practice. And we do see questions on Facebook that make us think, hmm, maybe rather than asking a question on Facebook, this person should actually consider a plan for developing their confidence and competence in that scope of practice. And then we have the other angle of scope of practice, the slightly thorny one. Are certain practices within the scope of practice of our profession? Now we get some really obvious ones to which the answer is quite clearly no. And then we get those ones in the middle, don't we? where people might use an argument, well, there's not a lot of evidence for everything we do. And you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Because I say it every time I say, <laughs> we may not have evidence that it does work, but we should be able to explain why it should work. And that's where I bang on about theory all the time. And my students who might be listening to this will be rolling their eyes at this point. <laughs> but, you know, if we can't explain the mechanism of change as to why we're doing something and there is no evidence for why we should do it then I think we need to stop and have a good hard think about should I be using this therapy approach and think about cost benefit because for everything we do there's something we're not doing is there something that would be more effective and efficient that might achieve the goals so that's a range of practical examples that I hope the listeners might find 
speak to them in their own practice? I'm sure if my conversations with them are anything to go by, Suze, they're exactly the sorts of things that people mull over every day. So I think they'll be very practical. Yeah. And that, in a way, that brings me to my question to you, mm-hmm. because um, what I would like to encourage the listeners of this podcast are to know that you exist and that you are such a fabulous resource and that if a speech pathologist, a clinician, whether they're a manager of clients or of people, is thinking, hmm, I feel a little bit ethically uneasy about this or I feel uneasy and now I've listened to the podcast, I know it might be ethical <laughs> unease, um, we would encourage them to ring you. So why would we encourage our profession to call you? Because for the purpose I think that both you and I are involved in ethics because we want our profession to be a profession that's respected for how it thinks about how it does its job. So we think about what interventions we're providing, what assessments we're using, but we want to be known for a profession that truly understands what is the benefit of what I'm doing. Is it the best thing for the client? Am I doing it in the way that benefits the client the most? So that's the reason that I'm here to respond to members who just want someone to talk to about those questions. And I think people should understand that the conversations with you are confidential. Yes. So, you know, basically you are an amazingly experienced sounding board and a source of incredible advice. And something you just said really struck me. We tend to focus our speeches with our clients in particular on the what we're going to do. Sometimes it's actually the how we go about it that starts to raise those little ethical thorny issues and we perhaps don't always spend enough time reflecting on that and being proactive about it. Yes, I spend a lot of my time talking with people who we don't talk about things that they don't already know it's just that it's good to have a chat with someone to to bring those issues up to the front of mind and to say yeah actually I think I'm on the right track or yeah I was right to think that that might be an issue so so I guess I think in conclusion to this podcast what I hope people have got from our short conversation is Ethics is not something separate to everyday, professional, evidence-based, complex, messy, real-life clinical practice. It's actually another tool in our toolbox. That means that we feel comfortable with what we do and our clients get the best service, which is basically what we want. Couldn't have said it better myself, Suze. Thanks so much for your time today. It was great to chat with you. Thanks, Trish. See you. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.